Hey, welcome. Everybody, welcome to River Glen. Good morning. Uh, so glad you're here to join us for a church, whether you're here in Waukesha, in Pewaukee, or online. Uh, good to have you uh, with us. Uh, today we continue this series called Let's, Let's Talk About It because we want to uh, break the silence that often accompanies uh, mental health and emotional health issues. And we want to make this a safe place to open up. Everybody can open up and uh, talk about it. According to the Kaiser Foundation, one out of two people are wrestling with mental and emotional health issues. Uh, that means if it's not you, it's the person next to you. If it's not you, it's the person you're married to or the person that you're dating. If it's not you, it's your friend or it's your uh, child. One out of two. It's half the people in the room, whatever room you might be in. And when you're wrestling with these issues, you feel like you're all alone. You know, you look around and other people look like they're doing well. They look like they've got it all together. And it can feel isolating. But the truth is, if you're struggling with mental and emotional health, you're not alone. We're all feeling it. And so let's talk about it. Last week we started out, we talked about uh, anger. Uh, today we're going to talk about a really big issue. We're talking about Anxiety. Anxiety is a universal problem for all of us. All of us uh, struggle with it to some degree. It's, a, it's something that I struggle with. Uh, for me personally, probably the biggest cause of anxiety is what I'm doing right now. And that might sound a little weird because I enjoy doing this, but it causes some anxiety. Always has. I remember the first time I gave a message at a church in Kentucky where I served previously, and I was terrified. I felt nervous. I kept waking up in the middle of the night thinking about it. I spent like countless hours preparing that message. I practiced it many times. I prayed that God would help me through it. I stood before the church with sweaty palms and my heart racing. And it went well <clears throat> until the end. At this church, they had a practice where at the end of the sermon, the pastor would say a closing prayer. During that prayer, the band, the music pastor would come up. The music pastor would stand like right here. And so you say, amen, walk off. He would step right up and lead the closing song. But here's what happened. I gave a really short sermon. I don't know, I guess I got nervous and I talked fast. I was inexperienced. I didn't really have a, a lot uh, to say. And I, I, it was so short, the music pastor wasn't ready. He thought he had 10 more minutes. He's back in the kitchen drinking coffee. And so guess who led the closing song? It wasn't pretty. Yeah, I'm a terrible singer. And uh, I thought I'd failed miserably. I thought I would get in big trouble. But I discovered people actually like short sermons. They thought it was great. And many of you probably wish I still gave short sermons. But I still feel anxiety every time I give a message and walk out on this stage. It's not quite as intense, but it's there. One of the things I've discovered about anxiety is it never goes away completely. There's no way to get rid of it entirely. But with help, it can get better. So what is anxiety? I think it helps to distinguish it from, from fear. Here's what fear does. Fear sees a threat and reacts. There's a bear, run. There's a rattlesnake, run. And it's really a gift. That's why our kids don't run into the, into the road and get hit by a car because of fear. We should be thankful for fear. But anxiety is much different. Here's what anxiety does. Anxiety imagines a threat and can't move on. It, someone described anxiety as a tidal wave of what ifs. 
that just overwhelms you? What if there's a rattlesnake? I, I, I shouldn't go in the grass. What if there's a bear? Can't go into the woods. What if the plane crashes? Don't fly. Anxiety is a constant feeling of inner turmoil and uncertainty. Anxiety puts our minds and our bodies in a constant state of fight or flight. And our bodies were not designed to carry that burden. And so fear is temporary and good. Anxiety lingers. And it can cause physical symptoms. Some people have headaches, stomach aches. Some people will have shortness of breath, heart palpitations. Some will have difficulty concentrating or sleeping. You ever have trouble sleeping at night? You ever, you ever find yourself waking up between 2 and 4 in the morning again and again? I've, I've, I have. And your mind races and you can't quiet it down. That's anxiety. Before the pandemic, anxiety was already the number one mental health issue. It was also, get this, the number one overall health issue for women and number two overall health issue for men. But take a look at the uh, dramatic increase of people reporting symptoms of anxiety in the last two years. This is from the CDC. Uh, Anxiety has increased four times higher in the last two years. The pandemic has really created a second pandemic that we don't talk about enough, a pandemic of mental and emotional health. You might wonder, what are some underlying causes of anxiety? There's lots of causes for it. I want to highlight three. One is change. We've experienced a lot of change the last 24 months. Researchers speculate that in the Western world, we've experienced more change in the last 30 years than in the previous 300 years. And change causes anxiety. Here's another cause of anxiety. Hurry, just the frenetic pace at which we live our lives. We feel like we can't catch up or keep up, and we feel worn out and exhausted, and that makes us anxious. One more cause would be personal challenges. Maybe a relationship turned out nothing like you thought it would. Maybe financial or career challenges have left you feeling overwhelmed. Maybe a physical illness or a diagnosis has left you feeling uncertain. All of us experience anxiety. None of us are immune to it. But there's a range of severity of symptoms when it comes to um, anxiety. On the one end would be everyday anxiety. This would be sweaty palms, muscle tension, you know, a fear that you might not be able to accomplish a a, a task. None of us enjoy these common everyday uh, symptoms of anxiety, but they don't usually interfere with our ability to function. And uh, in fact, this kind of anxiety can sometimes be helpful to us. It can motivate us to get work done. It can warn us about a potential threat. Some of us would probably agree that in high school or college, anxiety about an upcoming exam motivated us to actually, you know, finally sit down and study for it. So everyday levels of anxiety can actually be helpful. But on the other end, our clinical levels of anxiety, this kind of anxiety can feel overwhelming and dreadful. It can take away sleep, health, energy. It can take away your breath. I sat down and I talked with a a professional Christian counselor and asked her about symptoms and when, when someone needs to get help for anxiety. Take a look. 
wanted to ask you, I think all of us deal with some anxiety. How do we know when it's a problem, when we need to get some help for it? So generally society says that once something mental health related starts to impact your relationships, your job, um, your quality of life, that's when it's time to get help. A lot of people actually will use anxious as uh, an emotional expression. Oh, I feel anxious. Anxiety is fear, is worry. And really, we have fear and worry regularly, and it's not a clinical or distressing thing. So we worry about our children, we worry about the next generation, we worry about our world, we worry about our family members. But when it becomes real diagnosable anxiety is, again, when it impacts our personal relationships or our um, you know, our job. So if we're noticing symptoms like all of a sudden we're not sleeping well, um, if we're noticing that we're shorter with people, if we're noticing that, oh, you know what, I haven't been eating normally lately. Um, those are kind of telltale signs that something feels off. It can also be when we are struggling to concentrate. Um, we're, we're trying to focus on something and we, we almost seem to have our mind keep going all over the place. Um, it can look like indecisiveness. It can look like excessive worry where no matter if you're, you're given something to combat that. So you're worried about your child coming home from school on the bus, they get home, and your worry doesn't go away. Well, they're home, so what are we worried about? When there's not that, that release or break of the anxiety, it becomes excessive, and it just moves from one thing to the next. That's typically when I'd recommend um, seeking out some other additional resources and services. The best thing is one step at a time. So everybody experiences anxiety somewhere on this uh, spectrum here. And I wonder right now, you know, where would you put yourself on this uh, spectrum? And if you would put yourself on the clinical end of the spectrum, I want to encourage you that help is available. You could talk to your primary care doctor. You could talk to a professional counselor. You could stop at the Connect Wall after the service. We've got a list of local uh, professional Christian counselors, including New Life Resources, where Tori Dunn works. We also have care ministries in our church that are available to help and support you. Help is, is available. For some people, help and healing is going to include therapy and medication. And I want you to know there is no shame in that. If you need medication, I mean, you're not the only one. Uh, you're not uh, broken. And you can thank God for providing medication and for providing doctors and science to figure that out. But no matter where you are on this spectrum of anxiety, there is wisdom in Scripture that I know you're going to find helpful. It's interesting that both the Kindle reader and the YouVersion uh, Bible app, which is the most popular uh, Bible reading app in the, in the world, both of those say that the two verses we're going to look at today are the most highlighted verses in the entire Bible. And guess what, guess what they address? Anxiety. Apostle Paul wrote this scripture to a church in the city of uh, Philippi. And uh, here's what he said. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, at first glance, you might think, well, that's really helpful don't be anxious. I mean, like it's a light switch, you just turn off. If only it were that easy. But you know what? That's not actually, that's not the way it works. And that's not really what this scripture is saying. When Paul wrote this in the original language, he used the present active tense, meaning do not live 
in a continual state of anxiety. Do not live in perpetual anxiety. Day after day, week after week, month after month. You don't have to carry it forever. Sometimes what we do, we read a scripture like this that says, do not be anxious. And we oversimplify it. And we think, you know, anxiety will just immediately and completely go away. We think of anxiety uh, like a cup. And, you know, we got this cup full of anxiety that we need to dump out, all, dump out all the anxiety before we can replace it with faith and peace. Maybe you've had somebody say to you, stop worrying and, you know, trust God. Pray to God as if you need to just dump out all your worry, get rid of all your worry and replace it with faith and peace. But I think our mind and our emotions are not like a cup. They're more like a scale. And all of us are going to continue to struggle with emotions like anxiety. So we don't have to uh, deny the heaviness of what we uh, carry. We don't have to apologize for the way that we feel. But God offers truths and promises and principles and habits that will tip the scale in the direction that leads uh, to peace. God doesn't take away all your anxiety, but he does offer counterweights that you, can, that you can implement that will tip the scale in the direction of peace. I want to show you four ways in this passage that you can battle anxiety on a daily basis. And I use that word battle intentionally because it's not going to just go away completely. Uh, we're going to battle anxiety on this side of, of heaven, but you can begin to win the battle. You can begin to win victories by using four counterweights to anxiety. Here's the first one. Celebrate the goodness of God. I want to show you that scripture again, and I want to highlight this word that Paul uses, thanksgiving. Paul says, anxiety goes down as thanksgiving goes up. You know that thanksgiving or gratitude have incredible power. In our lives, I came across a lot of research about about Thanksgiving and gratitude. Gratitude improves sleep and uh, lessens depression, fatigue, and it also lessens anxiety. Gratitude literally improves your physical health just by living with Thanksgiving. Research shows you can actually reduce inflammation at the cellular level by having gratitude. Somebody said that if gratitude came in pill form. We'd call it the wonder drug. Sean Aker, a psychologist who teaches at Harvard, suggests that we can train our brains to be more grateful by regularly practicing celebration. He cites a study uh, where they asked people to take five minutes a day and write down three things they're thankful for each day for a week. Now, they didn't have to be big things, but they needed to be specific things. Like, I'm thankful for the compliment my boss gave me yesterday. I'm thankful for the delicious pizza dinner that I had last night. Participants simply expressed thanks for three things every day at the same time for a week. And a month later, they found the participants had more happiness and less depression. And even those who quit the practice still had, still had more happiness and less depression months later because there's a lasting effect. Just a simple practice of writing down three thanksgivings a day primed the participants to search for good in their life. That's what the Apostle Paul did. You know, when Paul, I want you to know when Paul wrote these words, 
that he didn't write these words from the uh, beach, you know, with uh, warm sun shining um, on him, sitting on the beach with warm sand on his feet, you know, writing, uh, do not be anxious and, and be thankful. Easy for you, you're on the beach, right? But he wasn't on the beach. No, you know where he was? He was in prison, and there was no warm sand. There was cold concrete. There were chains on his wrists and on his feet, and he sat next to a prison guard. So how could Paul say, do not be anxious and be thankful in that kind of circumstance? Well, it's because he didn't wake up in the morning and go, what, what, what if I die today? What if everything goes wrong? Why, why am I even here? What if nobody reads this letter that I'm writing? No, Paul wrote a different list every uh, morning, a gratitude uh, list. He would wake up and go, God, thank you. I'm alive and I'm breathing and I've got the gift of eternal life. I've got forgiveness of sins. I've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul celebrated the goodness of God every single uh, day. Here's what I hope that, that you believe. What you have in Christ is far greater than anything you don't have in life. You know, we've got a tendency to focus on what we don't have in uh, life. But what you have in Jesus is far greater. You've, you've got a promise from him that he's never going to leave you or abandon you. Moods fluctuate, circumstances change. But when you thank God for the good things in your life, it'll counter anxiety. And it'll tip the scale in the direction of peace. Here's a second counterweight to anxiety. Ask for help. Paul says, uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul uses three different synonyms for uh, prayer. And I want you to also notice this phrase, every situation. There's never a situation you're in where God doesn't want you to ask him for help. You ever feel like your anxiety is disproportionate to, to what's causing it? You're, you're, you ever feel that way? Like it's, it's just not big enough to bother God with it? Or do you ever look around and you see people who seem to be dealing with, you know, way bigger stuff? And you think, you know, why can't I deal with my stuff the way that they're dealing with theirs? And so you feel guilty. And maybe you decide not to ask for help. But Paul says, in every situation, every situation, ask for help. If it's big enough for you to worry about, it's big enough for you to pray about. Max Lucado wrote a great book on anxiety. It's called Anxious for Nothing. I use several ideas from this book in the message today. And if you want to go further on this subject, I would recommend his book. In his book, he uses this uh, example. He says, he says, imagine you're a 10-year-old boy. And you're outside playing, and you roll your ankle. You just twist it, and you just scream out loud, and you fall down. Your dad hears you. He comes outside. He takes off your shoe. He looks at your ankle, and he says, you're going to be fine. It's just a sprain. And you argue. You go, no, 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 no. It's broken. I'm not going to be okay. And your dad looks at you and says, do you know what I do for a living? Actually, you don't. You know that you know, he leaves for work early every morning. You know that he goes to the hospital and he helps people, but that's about it. And so the next day you travel with your dad to work and you go into his office and you see these awards and diplomas on the wall with words like honorary, distinguished, and then his phone buzzes. He gets called into surgery. Turns out he's an orthopedic surgeon specializing in ankles. 
And you get to watch him perform a reconstructive ankle surgery. And that night on the ride home, your dad looks at you and he says, your ankle is going to be fine. And this time you believe him because as your knowledge and understanding of your father increases, your anxiety decreases. And as your knowledge and understanding of your heavenly father increases, your anxiety decreases. When you believe that God holds the world in the palm of his hands, not just intellectually believe that, you believe it. Uh, You believe it to your core. You don't get so worried about politics or terrorism or the pandemic because you know that God is in control. And when you believe that God holds your life in the palm of his hands, you're not so anxious about that bully at school. You're not so anxious about that person at work or that project at work because you know that God is going to provide for you. And God is going to protect you. Ask God for help. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough for you to pray about it. And we'd love to pray with you. We've got a prayer team here at the church. If you'll write down your prayer request on the welcome card, drop it off in the box on the way out, we'll pray for it as as well. And ask God for help. Here's a third counterweight for anxiety. Leave your concerns. Leave your concerns uh, with God. There's a powerful verse about this in 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares uh, for you. This word cast means to uh, throw, throw, something out, throw something out, throw, throw something away. It means to relocate an, an object. Maybe this analogy uh, will, 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 will help for throwing something off. You ever, you ever dropped your car off? at a mechanic uh, to get some help. Maybe you had a problem you couldn't figure out with your car, and so you took it to a mechanic uh, to fix the problem, and, and what, what did you do? You told the mechanic about it, right? You explained the problem to the mechanic. Did, did you say to the mechanic, um, hey, I got some tools out in my car. I'm going to go get those, and we can work on this together. No, you probably didn't say that, right? You didn't say that. Or did you say this? Did you say, hey, I've got a cooler and a sleeping bag and a folding chair, and I'll just hang out for a while while, while you work on this. I don't think you, I, I really doubt you said that either. Because the relationship between a, me- a mechanic and a client is pretty simple. You leave it, the mechanic fixes it, and the mechanic calls you when it's done. Is it too simple to say that should be our protocol with God? You cast it. You leave it with God. God fixes it and calls you when it's done. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your counsel. He doesn't need your advice. Some of us need to just just say out loud, I resign as ruler of the universe. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to figure it out. I'm going to cast my anxiety on on God. But oftentimes, here's what happens. We pray. we, We cast our anxieties. We say, God... I'm not going to worry about this anymore. But then what happens the next day? You know, we wonder, you know, what's taking so long? Because, it, because it's, it's, not, it's not fixed. And so we start worrying. And so you might need to cast it again. You might need to cast it again the next day. You might need to cast it again 10 minutes later. Keep casting it and saying, God, I'm leaving this with you. But I want you to notice something really interesting. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Look at the next sentence. 
Be self-controlled. Casting, casting uh, your anxiety on God. It doesn't mean that you don't do anything. Peter says you practice self-control. Uh, self-control might mean that you go for some counseling. Self-control might mean that you eliminate a bad habit. Self-control might mean that you work on your resume. Self-control might mean that you really start, you know, praying and worshiping regularly. Practice self-control, but you leave your concern. You leave your worry to God because he cares about you and he is in control. And then here's the fourth counterweight to anxiety. Meditate on good things. Paul challenges us to think about what we think about. Look at what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to come up with two or three answers in, in, your, in your mind, okay? I want to ask you this question. Here's the question. The question is when you feel anxious, how would you describe your thoughts? When you feel anxious, how would you describe your thoughts? Here's, here's my list. When I'm anxious, false, discouraging, doubtful, negative. Now let me ask you, does it help your anxiety when, you're, when your thoughts go in that direction? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Now compare your list to what God says we should meditate on when we feel anxious. He says, think about whatever is true, noble, right, pure. Think about whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Let me ask you another question. Do you think it might reduce your anxiety if your thoughts, if, if your thoughts went along those lines? Probably so, right? Probably so. Take a look at this great scripture in Isaiah chapter 26. It says that he will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts, look at this, turn often to the Lord. God will give you not just peace, perfect peace. But it, it won't just happen. Naturally, our thoughts go to our, our worries, our, our pain, our anxiety. But if we intentionally turn our thoughts uh, to the Lord, it's going to tip the scale. And bring peace. How often do you turn your thoughts to the Lord? If you, think about, if you think about yesterday, the day before, how often did you pause and, and, and think about God? How often did you think about God's promises to you? How often did you turn your thoughts to all the good things that God has done for you? How often do your thoughts turn to the Lord. I, I love this picture. Somebody uh, posted this picture that says, this is how I fight my battles, and it's their Bible. And I love that because reading and reflecting on Scripture is a great way to turn our thoughts to the Lord and to begin to win the battle against an anxiety. You know, if you look again at these four counterweights that we've uh, talked about, celebrate God's goodness, ask for help, leave your concern, uh, meditate on good things. The first four letters of each of these counterweights spells the word calm and will tip the scale. These four counterweights will tip the scale and lead us in the direction 
that brings uh, peace. Paul says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Notice, Paul doesn't promise that we will, God will fully deliver us from anxiety, but he does promise to tip the scale and to protect or to guard our, our hearts and our minds with peace through Jesus Christ. And so today I want to close a little bit uh, differently. I want to I invite you to just sit back in your, in your seat uh, for a moment and, and relax. You know, we're always kind of racing around. I want to invite you just to sit back and relax and you can close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And I want to take a moment and read a few scriptures to you. And, and as I read these, I want you to think about the one thing in your life right now that you feel most worried about. As I read these scriptures, I want you to think about the one thing in your life that you're most anxious about. And, and as I read these, I hope that these are more than Bible verses. I hope that you hear the voice of God speaking uh, to you. Whatever you're anxious about as I re read these, um, that God would just go, this one is for you. This one is uh, for you. In John chapter 16, Jesus said this. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Psalm 55 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5 says this, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Isaiah 26 says, He will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains where does my help come from? Some of us might be wondering that right now. You know, God, where's my help come from? God, I need help. My help comes from the Lord, it says, the maker of heaven and earth. And then Philippians 4, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me pray for us. God, I know each of us has something in our life that uh, we're worried about, something in our life that we're anxious about. And God, right now in, in this moment, we want to cast that upon you and leave that with you. I pray that you would set all of us free and, and help us to have a peace that goes beyond our understanding, a peace that goes way down deep into our soul. God, we turn our thoughts to you. We cast all our anxieties on you. God, we thank you that you care about us and, and love us enough to take them. And I pray for those of us who struggle deeply with anxiety, more on the clinical side of the spectrum. Maybe we need to get some help, some professional help. God, would you 
give them the courage to take that step and find healing and find help. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.